Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello and welcome to From the Furrow, brought to you by Everag Insights. Each week, we talk with subject matter experts on news and topics affecting the grain markets. I'm your host, Britt O'Connell. Let's get started with a review of today's markets. Today is Wednesday, January 18th. March 23 corn is trading down three cents at 682 and a quarter, with March 23 soybeans trading down 14 and three quarters at 1525 even. Today, we've got with us Verl Prather, Director of Buyer Relations with the EverAg team. Thanks for joining us, Verl. Hey, thanks for having me, Britt. Verl, are you braced for impact? There's another winter storm that's going to be making its way across the Midwest. Loaded up with milk and bread? <laughs> well, not not quite yet down here in Atlanta, Illinois. We're still uh, 35 degrees and it's just looking like rain at the moment. So I, uh, I know you guys are looking at a little more snow than us. Yep, they're calling for, I think, five to eight inches uh, in, in the greater Wisconsin area. So we'll see uh, how that all materializes. But nonetheless, we all welcome moisture this time of year with uh, the U.S. drought monitor still showing some areas of dryness across the Corn Belt. No doubt. And I appreciate you talking to me about the weather uh, rather than the bears. <laughs> Well, Verl, the one thing that we do know is that everyone that is a Chicago Bear fan enjoys misery and is an incredibly committed individual. (laughs) Verl, let's talk a little bit about markets. And really specifically, I want to get your feedback on the latest USDA's data dump. We got a WASD report along with a quarterly stocks report last week. What were some of your top takeaways? Yeah, like you said, it it is a big, uh, big data dump um, all at one time. And it it certainly takes the market a little bit of time to kind of dig through all of the numbers. Although you get an instant reaction, of course, by uh, all the algorithms that are in play. There's certainly some things on this report that were well anticipated by the market ahead of time. However, there's a fair amount of surprises as well. And, and my top takeaways, as well as certainly probably uh, everybody else's, was the massive cut to harvested acres of corn. The USDA came in and cut 1.6 million acres off that harvested number. And in all likelihood, right, these harvested acres probably were reduced in Nebraska. You've got Kansas, South Dakota, some of the driest areas that that were out there over the growing season. Ultimately, this caused corn production to drop by 200 million bushels, and it led to the tightest December 1st stocks on hand since December of 2013. Additionally, very important, was the large cut to corn export demand that came in at uh, 150 million bushels, right? And so the market certainly expected a cut uh, to, to export demand as, you know, the writing's been on the wall since the beginning of this marketing year, to be perfectly honest, right? But to cut 150 million bushels in one report was was massive. Let's dive into that specifically, Verl. We saw the USDA in October trim exports on corn They came in in December, they trimmed exports on corn, 
and then of course this big one in the January report. What do you make of these continued cuts and exports, and why is the world seem fairly uninterested in buying U.S. corn? Well, we still have Ukraine shipping corn out of their ports, and they have been much more competitive on a price standpoint than the U.S. has been able to be. Obviously, we had some logistical issues on the river up front that uh, didn't lend us any favors. But we've got to keep in mind that, you know, I'll call it October through January really is is our big time to shine for soybean exports anyway, right? So there wasn't a lot of corn that was missed out on, if you will, hitting the river, but we did miss out on the sales, right? So we, we haven't accumulated very many corn commitments. And in the meantime, our, our friend um, over in China has been buying corn from Brazil, um, where, where they would typically be buying from the U.S., And so a lot of that business has basically walked up and left us this year. Now, I believe that, uh, you know, that does displace some corn out of Brazil and then normal buyers of Brazilian corn may end up needing to come knocking at our door at some point. But but overall, our expectations, of course, are are reduced. Let's dive into that a little bit more, because I think there's a lot there that for whatever reason, this movement or this agreement that was reached between China and Brazil to start allowing Brazilian ports to export corn to China. I personally think this is a really big deal, and you haven't heard much about it. I want to say it was back in November that this agreement was reached and we started to see the first uh, load of corn head from Brazil to China as we move forward. We've got a record. We've got a record amount of, of of soybean acres planted in Brazil this year. It appears as if they are going to realize a record crop. To what degree, obviously, is still up for debate. With harvest still a few weeks away in some of those most northern regions, one can assume that they're likely, weather cooperating, going to plant a record amount of safrina corn acres. How do you see some of that playing out? As we look at this global balance sheet and maybe a shift in some of the buyers. Yeah, so I, I think the market's going to have to pay very close attention to the conditions in which that safrina crop is planted into in Brazil. And, and like you said, it's it's coming at us pretty quick, right? Some uh, soybean harvest has started, but uh, very little at this point in the next few weeks that will certainly ramp up. Brazil's first crop is typically used domestically, right? As we tend to ship our soybeans as soon as they're harvested or we have a time frame there, that is what we are focusing our capacity on. Uh, we kind of switched to corn being exported around the January time frame, where Brazil is basically trying to move the bulk of their soybeans to the ports. Right, so the the first crop of corn gets used domestically. This safrina crop that will come later into the summer here, so June July time frame, will largely be for export demand. So we have a few months here in the U.S. that we really need to see exports pick up, uh, and it certainly could be detrimental for prices if we don't. Absolutely. No, I appreciate your insight on that. It's going to be maybe one of the more interesting watch points and. As we look at the U.S. corn and soybean markets in general, we could be 
in a place where we're starting to see a bit of a transition here on the export front. We've talked in the past about some of the changes in the soybean market dynamic, and we may be moving from selling and exporting the raw soybean product into being an exporter of meal and oil, much like Argentina. So we'll continue to watch that and monitor that, but definitely appreciate your insights. Looking ahead at 2023, we've got producers telling us they're looking at record levels of cost of production. Fertilizers high, chemicals have been somewhat sideways, seeds a little higher, certainly rents have been trending higher. What are some of the biggest obstacles facing grain producers as we move into this 2023 marketing year? As always, I think it has to do with emotions, Britt. I I think one of the biggest obstacles looking ahead is going to be fighting complacency. It can be way too easy to be kind of lulled to sleep by the, the current range of prices that are out there for the 2023 crop. Although, you know, these prices aren't guaranteed to go higher and they certainly aren't guaranteed to stay at the current levels that they're at either. So producers really have to be prudent and and looking and executing at profitability levels that that makes sense for their personal operation. Viral, are you, are you growing some claws there? It sounds like you're growing some some bear claws. Well, I tell you what, uh, I, I think this USDA report has bought us some time. Um, to be perfectly honest, and we've got a lot of different things to work out here in the next few months as far as uh, planting and pollination and all all that fun stuff, but. Nonetheless, you know, this, this inside of the balance sheet cannot be ignored. I think you bring up a really, a really good point. We know supplies are tight and certainly that has gotten the attention of the headlines and producers, but you've mentioned on a few occasions, the other side of the balance sheet, which often doesn't get all of the chatter, which is demand. And this is both a supply and demand market. And really, that's where we're struggling on the corn front in particular is is generating robust demand. You mentioned that we've got a lot of storylines as we move into the spring of the year, as we always do. Are you catching any early rumblings around U.S. planted acreage and how that could play out? Well, there's uh, certainly been extended or a lot of talk about the necessity for the U.S. to plant more soybeans, basically to satisfy uh, the demand for renewable diesel. And we've begun, we began to see some of these uh, new processing plants come online in the last handful of months. However, you know, you look at the Chicago Board of Trade and we still have a new crop soybean to corn ratio that continues to favor corn, Um, certainly at a lesser degree than it had just a few months ago. But, you know, I I do believe that um, we've got some of the demand story, obviously, to work out in the next couple of months. And if we find out that all of a sudden we need to begin to expect less exported bushels of, of corn out of this country, soybeans might uh, might organically gain the acres that are needed to, to meet the uh, renewable diesel demand. Now, the USDA will, will host their agricultural outlook forum at the end of February, and they always kind of uh, shed a little bit more light on what their expectations are going into the spring. Excellent, Verl. 
we'll continue to follow these various storylines as we move into a time of year where news tends to pick up and market volatility follows and increases as well. As always, Verl, it's a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you for your time. How can our listeners learn more about EverEggs services? Yeah, so I always welcome everybody to give us a quick call. Our number is 608-960-4771. And they're certainly welcome to, to shoot me an email anytime. Uh, my email address is vip at ever.ag. Um, and also go check out our website, um, just everperiodag. Very good, Furl. Thank you very much again for your time. If you've enjoyed listening to From the Furrow, subscribe to our podcast, share it with a friend, give us a like or a review. Thank you to Corey Romero, our wonderful producer, and Paige Driscoll for her mixing and mastering skills. Mm-hmm.